We've been talking about the Great Commission, uh, what God has mandated for his people to do, our, our cooperative mission, the thing that all of us, no matter what your calling is, we are all called unilaterally to this mission to do what God has called us to do and accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. These are the last words recorded in the book of Matthew from Jesus. This is your final assignment. This is your lifelong assignment. And so it's critical that as believers, we understand what that assignment is. And so this whole month, we've been going through this series that I've called All In. And the reason I called it All In is because we're focusing on the word all that is found in the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Matthew 28? Verses 18 through 20. And I want you to kind of focus in on some of the things we've been talking about here. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That was the first week, right? We talked about how Christ was given all authority. And so now he has given us authority to go and do what God has called us to do. Therefore, because of the authority you've been given, go and make disciples of all nations. This is why we've been emphasizing the importance of missions. We had some missionaries come out. We've been raising funds and helping our children understand the importance of missionaries because the mission is not just Belmont Cragen, but it is the world. And so God has called us to reach all nations beginning or at least including this nation, but not excluding all the other nations. And so we are called to go and make disciples, right? Not just converts, not just convince people that there is a God, but help them grow in a loving and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, right? So not just some of them, not just part of them, but all the commands. And obeying all the commands starts with you and I obeying this primary command, which is the Great Commission. So we have those three that we've already covered. And then Jesus sums it all up with this final sentence that I think is unbelievably powerful. He says, listen, I've been given all authority and now I am sending you out. I am sending you out to all the nations. I am having you go risk it all, give it all so that my name will be glorified and so that the lost will be saved. This is a powerful movement, but let's be honest, this can be a very scary mandate. Like God has asked you to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of what you're used to, to go and approach people who may not always uh, respond to you favorably, who may respond to you hostily or, or may respond to you in anger. But he's saying, nonetheless, I am calling you to go. I am calling you to make disciples. I am calling you to teach them and do everything that I've called you to do. And so now if you imagine the, the original disciples sitting down hearing this, they're, they're hearing all this and then they're thinking, wait, you're asking us to do all this but you're about to leave, right? Like this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he's been preparing them saying, listen, I, I'm gonna ascend. And so you gotta imagine in this moment, they're like, okay, for three years we've been with you. For three years we've been training, we've been preparing. You have fulfilled what you said you were gonna do. And now all of a sudden on the precipice of our biggest movement and our biggest mission to date, you're gonna leave. And you would be natural to understand that there's some sort of anxiety welling up, some sort of fear. How am I gonna do all this if you're leaving? I haven't been able to do all this. Before you, I was just a fisherman. Before you, I was just a tax collector. Like, I was a nobody, and now all of a sudden, you've raised me up to be somebody, and you're about to leave. And I think Jesus already understanding their hearts ends his statement with this, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. 
one of the most powerful statements that you will ever understand in scripture. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the parts that struck me so much is just the way he opens that statement. Be sure of this. I think a lot of us know this, but some of us maybe aren't sure of it. Are you sure that Christ will always be with you? Are you sure that no matter what you do or no matter what sins you commit or no matter how much you mess up that that Christ isn't just gonna get up and abandon you? That he's not gonna walk away from you when you reach a certain level of sin and he's gonna go, you know what, you're worthless, I've tried and you didn't listen, you don't do anything, I'm I'm gone. We, We have abandonment issues if we're honest. All of us have a certain level of abandonment issues. Some of us have more than others where people who who profess to love us the way Christ has professed to love us didn't stay, didn't endure, sometimes on their own decisions, sometimes because it was outside of their control. But we have these issues oftentimes, especially if you are somebody who's had people come in and out of your life, that maybe you have a really hard time with believing that I will be with you always because you've heard somebody say that before. You know, my dad told me he would be with me always. And I haven't seen him in years. My mom told me she would be with me always and she's not even on this earth anymore or or my sibling or my best friend or or my wife or my husband. Like all these people said, they confessed, they made these big grandeur statements. They're not here anymore. So God, why should I trust you? First of all, as scripture say, I am not a man that I should lie. God isn't like everybody else in your life. But he gives us reasons to be sure of this. Remember, faith is not blind. We have a reason to have faith, okay? There there is certainty in our faith. And when I was thinking about this and we were kind of playing with that word as we were talking about all, all authority, all nations, all commands, all ways. And the Lord just pressed upon my heart, remind them of all the ways I am with them. And so if you're taking notes, I wanna walk you through all the ways that Jesus is with us. Number one is this, Jesus is with us in the word, in the word. A lot of people say, well, if Jesus were here physically, well, your Bible is physical, okay? And and don't sidestep and diminish the impact of the word, of having God's word with you, of being able to be guided by and taught and raised up and corrected and moved by the power of God's word. There is nothing else that can transform you like God's word. No sermon, no church, no teaching, no YouTube. Nothing can transform you like the transformative power of God's word, right? Again, I can talk you into things, but I cannot transform you the way God's word can transform you. As a matter of fact, there is nothing that I can do outside of God's word that has any impact on a Sunday morning. If I'm not preaching God's word, if I'm not helping you, and listen, that's all a sermon is, okay? All a sermon is, is I'm taking God's word and I'm helping you better understand what he's trying to communicate in his word, all right? That's all I do. I'm not coming up with new things. I'm not creating new things. There is nothing new under the sun. Somebody probably preached this exact message better than I ever have and has done it a billion times. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things is when I'm reading the scriptures and I think to myself, oh, I've never seen that. And for a split second, I feel like I'm the first one. You know what I mean? Like, oh my, I have to tell the world, no one's ever seen this. And then I realize, oh no, they've, they've been seeing this. <laughs> like, I'm like the one billionth person to see it. But that's the beauty of God's word, is that it communicates to you, not just us. It's, it's your interaction, your time, your opportunity to hear the voice of God and to understand who God is. John chapter one, verse 14. 
says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. How do I know that Jesus, what do you mean he's with me in his word? Right here, the word became flesh, that was Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So if we have the word, we have Jesus. If we have the word, we have who he is. And here's the reality of it, because a lot of us, we are walking around with the caricature of Jesus because we're going off a of second, third, and fourth hand interpretations of God's word rather than picking it up for ourselves. And so a lot of times we have this misinformation, this telephone game worth of God's word where you, think, where you say things like, well, you know, the Bible says da, 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 da. And it's like, that's, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> I remember one time, and I've used this illustration in the past, but I was having our, our leaders meeting, and I used to give this illustration all the time about uh, a man pushing a boulder up a hill, and, and just it was an illustration to demonstrate the importance of trusting God in the process. And so, and I'm not going to get into the illustration, but I would often use it. And so we were in this meeting, and one of the leaders would raise their hand to comment, and I was like, yeah, what's up? She's like, well, you know, it's like that story in the Bible about the man pushing the boulder up the hill. And I'm like... And, and honestly, I was so like flabbergasted and, and even like embarrassed because I'm like, I've done such a poor job. You think that's in the Bible? <laughs> and so I remember I was like, no, do you, I thought she was joking. I was, do you think that's actually, no, that's a story I made up. Like it's just, it's just a made up, that's not in the Bible. Listen, church, be very careful about what you think is in the Bible versus what you know is in the Bible. And you can only know what's in the Bible if you actually pick it up and read it yourself. And that's the biggest issue we have, right? Because today, more than ever before, we have more access, more translation of, more interpretation of, more teaching of, more everything of the Bible. You can do it a billion different ways. You can read it, you can hear it, you can probably smell it in a few years. Like, you can do it a billion different ways. And there is so much access to scripture that's it's not really a mystery. There are commentaries, there are study guides, there are over and over just lectures where they break every single thing down for you. And yet, we are experiencing the most biblically illiterate era we have ever seen. Simply because we don't take the time to pick it up ourselves. Church, you will never know Jesus or his presence without knowing his word. And so part of us, are, I just don't feel like Jesus is with me. Be consistent in your word. I bet you that begins to change. And like I was talking to one of our young men about this the other day. It's not about devouring 17 chapters a day. It's about being consistent. Consistent communication. You know, me and my wife don't have these incredibly deep conversations every day. But we talk every day. We consistently communicate with one another. So that when there are needs and times for deep conversations... It's not awkward because we've already been having consistent communication. And so for you and I, it's important to understand, not every time you sit down and read the word is it gonna be mind-blowing and, and life-transforming and you're gonna sit there and go, I've never seen this before, this is the most important thing in the world. Sometimes you're just gonna read stuff and go, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't see how that applies to me right now. But you store that away. You store it away for the day when the need arises. And, and listen, it's happened to me a billion times when just at the right time, the Lord brings that word to my heart and reminds me, this is why you read that. As a matter of fact, I've said this a few times, but you gotta be honest with yourself. You ever been consistent in your reading and then for whatever reason, you miss a day or two 
and then stuff happens during those days. And when you catch up to where you left off, you realize, man, I could have really used that yesterday or the day before. Like God had that word ready for me, preparing me for that day. But it, it, listen, all I can do is serve you your meal. I can't make you eat. God has served it up for you. It's all cooked, ready, prepped, good to go. But if you don't pick up the spoon and feed yourself, you are going to miss out on understanding that the presence of God is with you. The second thing that's important to understand is Jesus is not only with us in the word, but Jesus is with us in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) This is critical to understanding. John 16, verse 13 through 15, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his ascension, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me, this is Jesus speaking, that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will be made known to you. This is a great opportunity to understand the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. They are one in God. And so what is he saying? He said, when the Holy Spirit is with you, it's the same as me. Okay? It's just not in physical form. It's in spirit. But this is critical for us to be able to understand and to be able to be in tune with what the spirit is speaking, especially when we talk about the first thing that it mentions, that the spirit of truth comes and will guide you into all truth. Listen to me, and this is maybe a sermon for another day. This is critical for us to understand. We are really entering into a new age of misinformation. And I'm not just talking about media, but you know, with, with all the advances that have been going on with artificial intelligence, and I'm not talking Terminator 2 and, and you know, Sky and all that stuff. Although, who knows, right? Um, but listen, at the rapid speed of misinformation, at the way artificial intelligence can literally conjure up pictures that look real, can conjure up videos and, and make deep fake videos that look like the actual person speaking, that, that can write whole sermons and essays and books within seconds. And it's not even plagiarism because it pulls from everything in the internet. How easy is it gonna be for you to be fooled if all you believe is what you read online or what you see online? Because so much of it is gonna just be made up by artificial intelligence and by people who wanna utilize that to manipulate and fool you. And so this is why it's so important to understand. You could be the smartest person in the world and still get fooled. But the Holy Spirit is the one that is able to deviate, that's able to tell you there's not a billion other truths. This is my truth. This is the only truth. And this is what's true. And I'm going to guide you into all truth so that you're not pulled away, so that you're not manipulated, so that, listen, if, if your greatest source of spiritual instruction is the internet and not the Holy Spirit, don't be fooled when you're pulled away from God. And it's gonna be easy to do that, especially when you don't know it, when you're not used to it. And I talked about this a while ago. My, my own father, he was struggling with some of his health stuff and, and, and had some issues, and he's already older, he's in the 70s, and, uh, but he started looking at doctors on YouTube. And why did he do that? He went into a deep, deep hours upon hours and every doctor said something contradictory to the other doctor. Because whatever you want to find on the internet, you're going to find. Any position you want, you can find something that supports that position. And so he literally came to the conclusion, I can't eat anything. So he did it. He didn't eat. And he literally almost killed himself 
because he would not eat. He was so terrified that everything he would eat would kill him that he didn't eat. He lost like 70 pounds and we ended up having to take him to the doctor. The doctor had to scare him straight and they walked him through and he's, thank God he's healthy now. He's doing well. But why did it get so bad? Because he didn't listen to us. He didn't listen to his doctors. He listened to the internet and he didn't allow the Holy Spirit to differentiate between what's true and what's a lie. Church, you, you can't lean on people. This is why God has given us the Holy Spirit. Jesus is with you through his spirit telling you this is true and this is not true. This is the way and this is not the way. This is what I'm telling you. I'm affirming this and I'm confirming this and I'm denying that. And this is why we don't have to walk around confused and blind and searching with our hands, wondering what direction we are supposed to go when if you're simply in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will tell you if you should make that purchase or not. The Holy Spirit will tell you if you should make that move or not. The Holy Spirit will tell you if you should communicate that word or not. It's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to have that guidance. That's the assurance we have with his presence is that Jesus didn't just send us to go do the Great Commission. He is walking with us, telling us how to approach it. When you look at Paul in the New Testament, there were areas that Paul wanted to go in order to accomplish the Great Commission. And it was the Holy Spirit that said, no, Paul, don't go that way. And again, there was nothing wrong with it just in our own natural eyes. But the Holy Spirit says, no, no, that place is good, but I got something great. I want you to go in this direction. And so it's important for us to understand Yes, we can figure things out on our own and we can maybe navigate things decently enough on our own, but we are not on our own. We have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to lead us to do the things that God has called us to do. And then one of those things that God has called us to do actually gets us closer to the presence of God in the same way. So Jesus is with us in the word. Jesus is with us in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is with us in the least of these. What do I mean by that? Jesus is with us in the people that we consider less than. And the people that we know have struggles and issues that God has called us to go and be a part of the solution. And the broken and the, and the impoverished and those who struggle with injustice and those who are hungry and hurting and those who are lost without a savior. Jesus is in those people. How do I know? Listen, Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. This is important and critical for us to understand because there are very few times where you feel closer to Jesus than when you're serving his people. When you're serving the ones that are lost that he died on the cross for. When you are fulfilling that great commission, not just in, in the giving of the gospel, which is the most critical, important aspect, but in the providing of needs. Sometimes people won't hear your gospel until the need is provided. It's like, listen, I love Jesus, but I'm literally starving to death. 
So can you give me something to eat? I remember a friend of mine, uh, he was telling me his father, who was a pastor, he got a lot of hate and a lot of, of just backlash <coughs> when in the early 80s and the AIDS pandemic really kicked off, he was handing out condoms uh, to the homosexual community. And so people were outraged with him, people were yelling at him. And so he explained to his son, he said, son, I got to keep them alive long enough to give them the gospel. And that always stuck with me. It's that we can always criticize what somebody is doing, especially when we're not doing anything. But when you serve the least of these, again, think about it, church. When, when we gather together and we worship, it's a great feeling and we do things, it's a great feeling. But when we serve, when we're handing out, if you guys were with us last year when we were in the parking lot, handing out groceries to literally hundreds of cars that were coming through our parking lot, even though at one point it was a torrential downpour and we were getting rained on, the fact is nobody cried. We cheered when the rain came. Why? Because, man, it's a privilege and an honor. Because when I gave that bag of groceries, and it wasn't great. I mean, some of it's like expired cereal, right? It wasn't the best stuff we could give. But it was met with tears, right? It was met with tears. And I think the reason it was met with tears from the person that was receiving it is not because of what we were giving them. It's because we were giving it. And they realized, I have a need and you're meeting my need. That's when you realize, that's when you're at the heart of who Jesus is. And when you're at the heart of who Jesus is, you're in the very presence of him. And so you understand, listen, I, I have never felt closer to God than when I'm doing what he's called me to do, when I'm serving the least of these. Listen, when, when you see somebody brand new who's never known the Lord get saved, it's so emotional. It's so impactful. When we see somebody get baptized and, and publicly make that de declaration of faith, it's so impactful. Why? Because we see the work and the move of God active in their lives. Church, understand this. If you want to feel closer to Jesus, serve the least of these. Go and do something for someone who can never return it to you. Go and love your neighbor. Go and witness to your neighbor. Go and do something just wonderfully blessing and a gesture of love and interpret, and I'm sorry, and show them who Christ is by your actions. And I guarantee you, he'll be there in that moment and you will see the love of Christ in their eyes. It's so critical for us to be able to understand that the whole aspect of the Great Commission is to remind you that it's not about you anymore. You're already saved. You already have that relationship with God. Now your job is to go and save others. Now your job is to go and serve others. Now your job is to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we do that, it amazes me still to this day that it's very few times I feel closer to God than when I'm serving his people, that I'm receiving that opportunity to love someone who's never been loved like that and to show them a love that they've never experienced and to walk them through that opportunity to know him. You know, what's even more special about that is when you see Jesus in their face and you're serving them and you're doing the things because we're doing it unto the Lord, not just for these people. When they realize that it wasn't you, that it was God, it's even more special. When they recognize, well, you didn't do it because it was you. It wasn't Belmont. It was the Lord that provided that need for me. And now it's not you that I go to or Belmont that I go to, but it's the Lord that I go to. So it's so powerful to understand those three things. But listen, let's not negate one more. Jesus is with us through his word. Jesus is with us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus is with us through the least of these. And Jesus is with us in the gathering of believers. 
Jesus is with us in the gathering of believers. It is so critical that we not give up gathering together. It is so critical that we not give up coming together. And let me just make this as a caveat. I don't only mean Sundays and Wednesdays, although those are important. But I mean just gathering together. I mean getting to know your brothers and sisters in this room and getting a cup of coffee or going out to lunch or inviting someone into your home or going on a vacation or having these opportunities to build relationships with one another. To have these critical components with one another. Because there is something incredibly powerful when the people of God gather. There is something uniquely intangible and and you can taste it and you can sense it and you can feel it when the people of God come together. Matthew 18 verse 20 says it very plainly. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now again, let me preface this. We can gather and Jesus not be in the midst right? Because we gather with people all the time. And that doesn't make it, that doesn't mean that Jesus is there. Just because you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, doesn't necessarily mean that if we go, you know, play video games, that Jesus is in the midst. (laughs) But what he's saying is, when you gather together in my name, when you're including me, when it's a worship to me, a service to me, a prayer to me, when it's, when I'm involved, Understand I'm in the mist. And what I love about this, this phraseology here of the mist is like right now, we know that Jesus is in the room, but he's not here, he's there. The mist, meaning he is not unique and special to the platform or to the preacher or to the worshipers. It's not like, we're not, I know we all face this way, but Jesus isn't standing here, <laughs> okay? Jesus is in the midst of us, next to every believer. So when you worship God, it doesn't matter if you're in the front or in the back, Jesus is in the midst. When you pray, it doesn't matter. The whole place can become an altar because Jesus is in the midst. See, Jesus is with us when we gather. And even when it's just two or three. So when you gather together in a small group, when you gather together for counseling to say, hey, listen, I need to unload. I need to talk about some things. I need to sit down and just, you know, let some stuff out. Jesus is there in the midst. And so it amazes me how many times somebody might come to me for counseling and they walk away and they feel like, oh man, you, you changed my life. You did this, you did that. And I'm like, I don't really do anything. Especially there are times, here's my favorite trick if you don't know it. I just ask questions and I let you and the Holy Spirit start to navigate that stuff. And I'm like, man, some counselors out there, y'all make a lot of money just asking questions. And I say that my wife got a degree in it, right? So I just, I'm like, listen, y'all make a lot of money just helping somebody navigate it and ask questions. But that's what Jesus did. And so I sit there and I go, why do you think that is? What do you think God's trying to tell you in that? And how do you feel? And I just asked enough questions and you see this just dawning come upon their face and they're like, they're like, that's right. I was like, yeah. And I I sit there like, I didn't really do anything, but I'm so excited that you got it. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Go for it now. Go, 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 go away, go run. Why? Because when we got together, there was a third person, even though they didn't see him in the room. When we gather together in his name, you better believe Jesus is there. Think about the first time maybe you walked into this place or or any place where the people of God were gathering and you walked in and you sensed it. Something's different in this room. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know how to spell it out. You didn't know how to pinpoint it. But there was a very tangible sense that someone was in this room. Something was different in this room. And it wasn't just the quality of music. Because listen, I felt that in churches where the quality of music was not the best. 
It's a joyful noise, if we could say it you know, respectfully. And yet the presence of God was the same, just as tangible. Where it wasn't as pretty, but the presence of God was just the same. Can I tell you, one of the most powerful places I ever had a prayer meeting in was a garage. Where, where I was just struggling and I was just dealing with some stuff that had gotten overwhelming. And I went to two of my friends from church and, and I was at their house hanging out and I just said, fellas, will you pray for me? And we went into the garage and we had one of the most powerful prayer services I've ever had right next to an Oldsmobile. And I remember just crying my eyes out and there was no organ and there was no preacher and there was nobody else except two brothers who loved Jesus and loved me and prayed over me. Why? because it wasn't just three of us in the room. You gotta understand, anytime we gather together, there I am in the midst of them. This is incredibly powerful and encouraging to understand because if you notice, there's at least four ways that Jesus is always with you. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out, worship team. I think this is so important for us to understand if we're going to be able to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Because, you know, a lot of us, we won't go unless somebody goes with us, right? Like, you know, I have people like that in my life where they won't even order at the kiosk unless you go order for them. They won't ask unless you go ask for them. God forbid, you know, you're at a restaurant and the waiter gets something wrong. They'll eat it (laughs) and won't say a thing. You're like, that's not even what you ordered. I'm going to eat it. But you're allergic to shrimp. It's fine. I got an EpiPen. It's like, (laughs) just tell the waiter they messed up. (laughs) And so there are some of us that, man, if you don't got that person with you, You ain't gonna do it. And I get that. (coughs) And it's important for us to understand that I'm not always gonna be sitting there in your ear, motivating you, pushing you, answering all your questions, okay? Matter of fact, I was almost not here today. My wife is very close to having that baby. Like, like if I get a call, I'm gonna cut the altar short and be like, hey, I'll see you guys later. (laughs) But it's never been about me or about anyone on this platform. It's about Jesus. And it's about having Jesus and knowing that we'll never lose that. I think it's interesting that in the Gospel of Matthew, which we've been reading this whole month, it ends with the reminder and an encouragement that Jesus is with us. I think it's interesting, especially when you consider how Matthew opens his Gospel in the first chapter. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We can be sure of that, that he will be with us always because the purpose of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was always the restoration of our relationship with him. Why would he give that all up to restore a relationship that he didn't intend to keep? Why would God do everything he did so that you and him can have a relationship and then abandon you? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that God would sacrifice it all just to lose you again. This is how and why we fulfill the Great Commission because all authority has been given to Christ to make and reach all the nations, making disciples and teaching them all the commands. Why? Because God is always with us. Jesus' assurance of his presence 
is not limited to your lifetime though, but to time itself. I love the way he says this. And be sure of this, I will be with you always. And he could have stopped right there. That could have been more than enough, right? I will be with you always. And then he adds a little caveat, even to the end of the age. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What do you mean? That means it wasn't just talking to the disciples, he was talking to us, to all the disciples that were gonna come after. And he's saying there will be a time where those 12 and these 350 and all the other that are gonna come in between and after, where we'll all be gathered together with him together. I will be with you even to the end of the age when this whole world is done with, when everything is gone and past, I'll still be with you. Revelation chapter 21, verse three through four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The promise of his presence is the blessed assurance that even when everything else has passed away, we still have God. Even when the house is gone and deteriorated, even when the relationships have faded, even when your life is long past and no one remembers you, Jesus still remembers you. And not only does he remember you, but he stays next to you. This is why this is the most important statement we could ever understand. Dr. Livingston, one of my all-time favorite missionaries, he famously said, send me anywhere as long as you go with me. I'll do anything as long as I am assured of your presence, God. I'll go anywhere, I'll say anything, I'll do anything as long as I know you're there. Moses, right? Don't send us if your presence doesn't go with us. Over and over and over again, you see in scripture, I'll do it, I'll do it. But only if you're with me. Only if you stay with me. I've had too many people walk out on me, God. You can't be that. And God already knew that. And that's why he says, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. The worship team is gonna...